Are you ready to become the dad you were meant to be? Good, because this is the Epic Dad Legacy Podcast, where imperfect actions are better than perfect ideas, promises kept are more important than promises made, and nothing happens unless you make it happen. My name is Drew, father of three, the founder of the Epic Dad Company. My mission is to help dads up their game and become the husbands, fathers, and men they are called to be. We need Epic Dads now more than ever. And it is your responsibility and obligation to become the best father you can be and show your kids what is possible. Listen in for weekly tips, strategies, and actions you can take to go from average dad to epic dad. Thanks for listening. Now let's start the episode. What is up, guys? Welcome back to the Epic Dad Legacy Podcast. This is your host, as always, Drew Camp, the founder of the Epic Dad Company. Hey, thank you guys so much for being here. We are on a mission to help dads change the culture by leveling up as a husband, father, and man. So if you are on that same mission, if you are looking to become a better dad, looking to become a better husband, looking to level up in every area of your life, including your body, relationships, mind, and finances, you are in the right spot. Uh, Guys, before we hop into this exciting episode we have today, First, I just want to say thank you, right? Our mission is super important. I mean, we look around in our culture and we see what's happening, right? We see the, you know, the result of lack of leadership as fathers. And we recognize that it is up to us as dads to change the tide on our culture. And it starts with us. It starts with us individually in the home, how we're showing up for our our wife, how we're showing up for our kids, how we're showing up for ourselves. And that is going to start to create momentum and start to create a cultural change that eventually over time will have a major, major impact. So that is why we do what we do. And I want to say thank you guys for being here. Um, real quick, guys, before we hop into this episode, uh, wanted to let you know about a quick announcement that we have, an exciting update to what we call our Epic Dad Crew. Our Epic Dad Crew is our online community where a group of savage dads get together and we talk about everything from our body, our relationships, our mind, and our finances. And really, we hold each other accountable on the mission that we're all on to become better husbands and better fathers and better men. And if this is something that you are looking for, if you are looking for accountability, if you're looking for structure, if you're looking for community, we are going to have some exciting updates within the next week or so uh, to really turn our Epic Dad crew into the best community uh, anywhere for dads to level up. So Super excited to share uh, what we have in store for you. Not going to spill the beans just yet, uh, but within the next week or so, we'll have an exciting announcement. So uh, my ask for you would be if you know if you are on this path, right? If you want to become the best father you can be, you don't need to be doing it alone. Um, you know, we we need to support each other uh, in every way possible, right? And that starts with a community that starts with accountability. So be on the lookout for an exciting announcement. I would love to have you jump into the Epic Dad crew. Uh, also, guys, uh, if you are resonating with this episode, uh, my ask from you is that you just le- scroll down and leave us a quick review and then share this with another dad uh, in your network that needs to hear this message. All right, guys, with that, let's hop into uh, the episode today. We have on Josiah Novak. So Josiah is a fitness coach. He's an author. He is the host of the True Transformation podcast and the creator of the True Transformation body transformation system. Uh, His lifestyle-friendly, real-life, simple, and long-term focused approach has helped thousands of men and women to achieve permanent results when it comes to their body, fitness, life, and health goals. 
His work has been featured in Fitness RS Magazine, Mind Pump Media, Order of Man, and many other popular outlets. Josiah's story is a lot like ones we hear from dads all the time. He was once up to 270 pounds, and he went into a deep depression that he honestly almost thought of committing suicide. And over time and working on the fundamentals, Josiah worked to get to a healthy body and mind and now helps others to do the same. Through Josiah's company and coaching program, True Transformation, he is helping create tailored programs to help his clients get results in and out of the gym. Today, we talk about Josiah's three-pillar framework that he calls the three M's. To keep things simple, focus on the basics, and get consistent, sustainable results. All right, guys, buckle up. You are not going to want to miss this episode. Make sure you've got a notepad handy, and let's jump into the episode with Josiah. All right, all right. Uh, Josiah, welcome to the pod, man. Thanks for having me, Drew. Pumped to be Dude, here. Absolutely, man. Hey, I've, I've followed uh, your content um, on Instagram for quite a while, man, and we connected like a while back. Um, I don't even remember what it was. It's, it's been probably six, seven months now. Um, you know, just, Hey, we'd love to have it in the podcast and we kind of stay connected a little bit, you know, so super pumped for the conversation, man, your approach to fitness nutrition, um, is something that is desperately needed in the space just from a common sense perspective. I think we, a lot of times as, you know, as dads and like high performing dads, we, we want to like go super extreme, you know, but, but when it comes down to it, man, like your approach is awesome. It's just, Hey, these are the, these are the fundamentals. Um, and this is what's going to get results. So, so I appreciate you coming on, man. Looking forward to the conversation. Likewise, man. Yeah. I'm excited to, uh, to, to crush it. Yeah, man. So if, uh, for folks that don't know you, just would you mind just giving kind of like a quick, you know, summary of, of what you're doing now, then we can, we can start diving into some specific stuff. Absolutely, man. Uh, I've been a fitness coach slash consultant slash online business owner now for the better part of the last decade. Uh, prior to that, I was a personal trainer struggling to make ends meet in the gym. Uh, that actually was back in 2004. And over the years between 2004 and about 2013, uh, I was always involved in health and fitness, but most of it was trying to figure out my own way. You know, I love training. I love athletics. I was a former athlete myself in school. And I went through a transition period after leaving sports where I just was trying to find my way in the world. You know, where was my place? I always thought I was going to be a pro athlete. That dream didn't happen. And then I thought I was going to be a lawyer. That dream didn't happen because I realized I couldn't sit still for longer than like 30 minutes. And so school was out of the question after going to undergrad. Uh, even undergrad was just an awful, awful experience for me. Um, being a high active individual. So got out of school and ran into a deep, deep depression. And I think a lot of people can probably relate to this. It's really, it was just a wake up call, right? It was like, this is reality. This is life. Nobody's coming to save you. Not that anyone had saved me prior to that, but I'd always leaned into my athletics and I got a scholarship to college. So I'd have to worry about paying for it. Um, wasn't exactly my dream school, but you know, I, I was kind of just getting to where I wanted to go, or at least where I thought I wanted to go without a whole lot of struggle, right? Um, I had come from a, a pretty awful environment, but I had gotten out of it. You know, my parents divorced when I was 14. Um, but like once I said, once, once again, sports was just always my anchor. I had started working out for sports uh, my, let's see, my junior year in high school. So I was a young junior. So I think I was, uh, 13, 14, 15 at the time, somewhere in that range, I started doing push-ups and curls and then I got into the gym and I fell in love with working out. 
but it was always for sports. And so after sports, I was like, well, what am I going to do with my life? Became a personal trainer in college and then got out of college and moved to a whole new area. And I was a personal trainer still, but that whole feeling of like, man, this is like, this is kind of scary. Life is got all sorts of ups and downs, bills, you know, I got to take care of myself. There's literally nobody knocking on my door with the answers. I fell into a depression. And with that depression, I started eating a lot of food, gained a ton of weight. Back then, I only checked up to about 65 pounds overweight, probably gained closer to 70, 75 pounds. But fortunately, man, and this is where my coaching journey began. Fortunately, I prior to contemplate or I had contemplated suicide, but I had worked my way through it and said, you know, I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to make this work, even though I felt useless. I didn't feel like I had a place in the world. I ran into a fitness icon at the time. His name was Greg Plitt. And for whatever reason, his messaging just spoke to me. I mean, it was very motivational. It was probably, you know, a combination of a guy who was absolutely shredded and good looking and seemed to have his life together, drove like a Range Rover and seemed to have it all figured out, but was talking about how fitness was why he had it all figured mm, out. Yeah. You know, it was because not because of, Hey, I want to get abs and I want to be ripped, even though those were definitely things I wanted. He was like, Hey, I want to be a great person. I want to be a man of value. I want to be a leader. I want to be an icon. You know, I want to be somebody people aspire to be. And the only way I can get there is if I take care of my body and my health and my fitness. And for some reason that just like, it really resonated with me. And what ended up happening was I joined his program. I think back then online, online programs were super cheap, dude. I have a lot of money. Um, I think it was probably like 10 bucks a month or something to get to his website, <laughs> but you get into his website and he sends you like workouts and videos. And yeah. Like, Felt like you were being coached, even though I'm sure it wasn't actually Greg doing it, but nonetheless, it doesn't matter. He was really impactful in my life. And I actually fell in love with the idea of being a fitness coach. Didn't know what it was going to look like back then. I thought I'd build a membership site. Mm -hmm. I'd get in great shape. I'd share all my workouts. I'd share my journey, my struggles, my wins, all that. And people would just start, you know, buying it. <laughs> <laughs> build it and they will come, right? <laughs> yeah. Dude, just build the website and people are going to start sending you money. Um, I was still dabbling as a personal trainer. I had gotten out of training in the gym and I had started training people like in their home, um, private training while I was working in corporate America to pay the bills, um, learning marketing, learning sales, working my way up through different organizations. But it was interesting, man. Like I could never fall in love with a position to the point where I was like, I could see myself being here for the rest of my life. I always had this calling of like, mm. I got to do something on my own. I got to mm. do something where I can control my own destiny. And long story short, man, um, I, at one point, I can't remember exactly when I made it a permanent decision, but I was like, at some point I'm going to create an online company that coaches people. It's probably around the 2012, 2013 timeframe, right around the same time that I met my wife, um, my future wife, that is at the time. And I had had success in corporate America, making sales and marketing, doing that kind of stuff. But once again, I just wasn't in love with it. So I was like, I'm going to start a fitness company. And Michelle, who's my wife now, was the first person I actually told that to. And I, and I said, hey, I'm, this is what I'm going to do in my life on our first date. And she was like, okay, <laughs> like you're making, at the time I was making like a quarter million dollars in sales a year and like killing it. 
And um, she was like, all right, well, you know, if you say so, like, it sounds like you're successful in something else, but Hey, if you want to do that. And so it was like this whole, like believing in me, you know, um, atmosphere that I had never really had before. And uh, the rest is history. I mean, obviously it's not a fairy tale story. You know, there was many, many struggles to start it, but here we are today, you know, being in business now for over a decade. And um, I know that statistics will say, if you're in business over a decade, chances are that you'll be in business for a long time. So it's been an awesome, awesome journey, but that's really the start of where things, uh, that's where, that's where things kicked off. Yeah. Dude, talk to me about this. You say you heard, heard a calling, like, mm-hmm. um, I think a lot of guys have that same thing, right? They're, they're in a position, you know, it's like paying the bills. It could be maybe making a lot of money. Right. But like, yeah. there's something more, you know, like, like what, what was that for you? So this is an interesting thing. And, you know, I I've always been a man of faith, uh, despite the fact that, um, my parents who introduced me to the the faith that is Christianity, they were, as we all are many times, you know, walking billboards for hypocrisy, really, right? And not to badmouth my parents, but I come from uh, a situation where I had a, a father who was an alcoholic, still is an alcoholic. Um, my parents got divorced, you know, but they forced me to go to church every Sunday growing up, right? Until things imploded. And our house became a house where abuse and yelling and screaming and fighting were like the norm. I'm also the oldest of six kids. So it was a a chaotic environment. But through all that, as a child, I can remember my parents, for some odd reason, they would always reference the fact that I was named after a king, right? I was named Mm -hmm. after King Josiah in the Bible. Mm -hmm. And that to me always gave me a sense of purpose, right? Like, and you can, we could talk about the nature versus nurture concept here, but um, baseball for me was my, my first passion, right? But it was a passion because I felt in my soul that I was meant to do something big, right? I thought, man, like, I don't know what it is. I think if I had to guess, I'll be a professional baseball player and I'll probably, you know, win a world series or something like, but as time went on, it was just like this calling to do something impactful. And I can't really explain where this came from or like the actual origination date of it. And I, and I would say now having worked with a lot of guys who are high performers and elite, you know, business owners and executives and stuff like that. I I actually think most people have this thought. I just think what ends up happening is over time, the, work and the journey and the changes that need to happen oftentimes feel overwhelming right and we lose that that uh, that sense that man we're we're supposed to do something great with mm-hmm. our life right and i know people will argue well no not everybody can be great and not everybody i i don't think everyone can be the best at what whatever they do right i but someone can always create greatness in some part of their life right? It doesn't have to be sports. It doesn't have to be business. It could be fatherhood. It could be writing. It could be, you know, working in a company and being the best at what you do. Mm -hmm. Right. I think everybody can create greatness, but I think we're all called to it. It's just, we don't always listen and we're not willing to do the things, you know, some people will say, well, what about the guy who shows up? And, you know, I heard this the other day, actually, it was a perfect example, but it was like, um, what about the guy who shows up and, you know, hammers nails into, a home, you know, that's being built every single day. Like that guy's not lazy, but like, he's not making millions of dollars. You know, he's getting paid bare bones money, probably just decent salary or whatever. And 
you know, he's working his ass off. They're like, what's up with that guy? Like, why can't he be successful? Why isn't he called to something great? And it's like, he probably is. He's just not willing to like go out and start his own company or he's not willing to like go do something else with that work ethic. It's just to him, it's like, it feels just consistent to just hammer nails in every day and collect the check, right? So I think we're all called to it. It's just not all of us are willing to answer the call. And honestly, answering the call comes with risk. You know, I, I risked, man, I had two kids back to back or my wife had them. I helped create them, but, um, <laughs> you know, we, we brought two boys, um, into the world, uh, back to back 18 months apart. And I started, I went full time in my online business back then. This was 2014, um, cut out all my other income sources, right? I went all in on online business back yeah. then. Uh, and that was scary, dude, like yeah. super scary. You did know what you, I mean? Did you, uh, did you have a, like a bankroll where you guys like, Hey, we got, you know, six, 12 months or whatever, like banked up or, or you I like, wish I had let's do much. it. <laughs> <laughs> um, looking back, I think I had, I want to say like three to four months of, of living expenses saved up. Um, mm -hmm. maybe, maybe slightly more if I like sold off some things that like were investments or like, yeah. you know, things that, you know we probably wouldn't want to ever sell off, but like, you know, I, I didn't go into it with like, Oh yeah, I got three years of just like comfort. If I screw up and like lose all my money, or if I lose everything in this business, I'll still have something to fall back on. Didn't really have that, you know, I had like 401k savings from corporate America, which was minimal wife had a little bit of that, you know, but it wasn't like, all right, you know, we're going to save up, you know, 12 months. And then we're going to take one step. No, I was like, you know what? Yeah. I'm losing money by not going all in on this, that, right? That's a, that, that right there is awesome, man. That approach, right. Of, of what is the opportunity cost of me not doing this one from it, like for a business perspective financially. Right. But then for that calling as well, you're talking about, right. Like what's the opportunity yeah. cost of me doing something I know that I'm not supposed to do, right. That I'm being called to do something else and I'm putting that off because I'm scared of the risk, you know? Um, yeah. Like, like I, 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 there's um, in the gospel. So I'm, I'm, you know, person of faith as well, trying to get, closer to that, um, over the past couple of years, but, um, there's, so I, I forget the exact chapter and verse, but in, in one of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, you, you know, uh, Luke, John, one of them, there's the parable of the five talents. Um, mm. I don't know if you're familiar with that one, but, um, you know, that God gave, you know, different people, different talents, right. And the guy with five talents came back, brought, brought back five more. Um, you know, the person that he gave one talent to, he squandered it. Right. Mm. Um, and just that, that all resonates with me so much. And I think it goes back to that calling, right? Is that everyone has something, right? That they are good at, they're passionate about, that gives them, uh, that gives them purpose. And it, it could be business. It could, like you said, it could be fatherhood. It could be being the best carpenter in the world, right? Like you love that. Um, and it's like, you, you are squandering your talent if you, if you are not willing to take a little bit of risk um, and to go out and make an impact, you know? Big time. Yeah, it's funny because looking back, well, part of the reason why, you know, I went into it too and all, and went all in on it was because I was trying, you know, I, I think looking back, I, I don't know if there is a perfect time to like go all in. Right. I think you just have to say, all right, enough is enough. You know, I'm dipping my toes in the water. I also have my hand in these other things. And these other things are also getting shortchanged mm -hmm. because I'm so fixated on this passion of mine in this case, you know, a fitness company, and I can't give my best to, I, I can't be a jack of all trades right mm -hmm. now, right? I'm, I'm mastering nothing by spreading myself in all these different directions. Not to mention my family 
is probably going to be more stressed. Even if money is coming in at a higher level, my time is so limited. Mm-hmm. So I'm not able to actually be present with them. I mean, I can remember, man, like, you know, in the early days, like I'd be driving, uh, we, you know, we take the the kids, they were little, we'd take them to like a birthday party or something for other little kids. And I'd be on my phone, like trying to close deals the whole time, right? Because I was so worried that, well, this is my only time on a Saturday to sit down and close deals on my phone for fitness, you know, get new clients, all this kind of stuff. Because during the week I was working other jobs, right? Mm -hmm. And I said, I got to cut that out. Like, I I can't like, I need to have restricted time that's only for family, you know? And it it paid off, you know? It wasn't like I opened up the doors and said, all right, we're full-time and, you know, they backed up the brink. Yeah, I'm a millionaire, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the laptop lifestyle on the beach, you know, that it's funny. I was just at the beach and um, I was sitting there on my laptop. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, well, I guess I have kind of made it right. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it, you make it, but there's so much, you know, that you want, I think the time you realize I just made a reel on this extra a video uh, for those who don't know what a reel is, but I've made a video and I, and someone, the question was asked, how do you know when you've made it with your business? And I said, you know, you've made it when you realize you'll never truly make it because there's always another yeah. level if you want it, right. There's always another level. And even to maintain your current state with business or anything, even fitness, there's still a lot of work that has to be put in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know of anybody who runs a truly passive, like high, high income stream. Yeah. It know, doesn't like, exist. Yeah. I mean, you might make dividends from your stocks. You might, yeah. you know, you might uh, have a, a money manager. You still pay him for his time to handle that. You know, you might have real estate where you could pay property management teams to go in and do everything for you, but there's always a cost to that. So nothing is truly, you know, set it and forget it. Money's just going to pour in. It just, I, I don't think that exists. Um, I think you get better at things mm-hmm. and that makes it feel more passive, um, you know, and, and new levels, new devils though, you know, you make more and it's like, well, all of a sudden you got other issues you got to deal with. So, yeah. Yeah. Dude, where did you, uh, where did you play baseball at in college? So I played at a small school uh, called Randolph-Macon College. Um, and then I transferred to a bigger school. Uh, called uh, Virginia Commonwealth University, and they're in Richmond. Uh, played baseball at Randolph-Macon for a year. Tried my hand at playing baseball at VCU for a year and uh, just kept getting injured, just silly arm issues. Looking back, I didn't know jack about anything. And my elbow and my my shoulder were constantly battling tendonitis. Um, and uh, yeah, just at some point said, all right, enough is enough. I'm just going to ride the bench for the next couple of years doing bare minimum stuff. And I don't want to give, you know, 90% of my life to something I can't seem to, to figure out. And, um, just lost, I lost the love of the game because I wasn't, I wasn't so much worried about the game anymore. I was worried about trying to prepare myself to even be able to play the game. Um, the best years I had were, you know, probably in high school. And, um, I can remember a year, I think I was a sophomore in high school and I felt my best. I was healthy, what looking back, and this is a lesson for guys fitness wise, I think that that still resonates today. And um, even young athletes, you know, I, I transferred all of my time to baseball, middle of high school, right? So I stopped other sports, Mm -hmm. I I stopped doing wrestling, I stopped even considering football or basketball or anything, right? Like even rec stuff, right? Um, You know, and uh, (laughs) that shift 
put a lot of wear and tear on my body in a way that I just wasn't prepared for. Cause I didn't realize I was having a lot of downtime and off season from baseball. Mm -hmm. And, um, it sucked because that led to injuries that I just literally couldn't like, couldn't get over the tendonitis, the, the, the ongoing issues. So for young athletes today and not to go down a rabbit hole here, but you know, like my boys are constantly shifting sports every few months. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, with training, you know, it's good to have recovery days. It's good to do cross training if you're a runner, or it's good to, um, you know, if you're lifting weights all the time, do other things like swimming, right? Um, just just to give your body a chance to recover. And I just those injuries started to pile up, and I was a catcher in baseball, and so okay. yeah, I was gonna ask you what know, position you were. Yeah, so I mean, uh, besides, I mean, I would argue that um, I threw the ball more than anybody on my team. You know, yeah. like I, I, no, I, I agree, man. I was a catcher, uh, high school, college as well. Yeah. Um, so I mean, best no. position out there for sure. So it's the yeah. best position. I, I'm in love with being like being, being the catcher on the field, the captain of the field is literally the coolest thing on earth. I mean, if you're a baseball player, I think catcher, I have a, a couple of boys now who are playing baseball. I haven't pushed catcher on them yet, but, um, hopefully they'll, they'll maybe give it a shot and realize how awesome it is. But, um, it's interesting though, because, uh, I would, so, I would, you know, obviously play catcher and I would, you know, do bullpens and stuff with our pitchers all the time. And I was constantly throwing the ball, but then what I would do during the winter season in between fall ball and spring ball, um, I actually worked for a major league baseball coach who came to our area and he would give pitching lessons in the off season in this indoor facility. He would have me catch all the pitchers and basically so that he could just sit there and coach them. Right. He didn't have to get, yeah receive the ball at all he was just watching their mechanics and everything and um it made me the best receiving catcher i think one of the best in virginia like i i, I don't know about world you know nationwide but like every pitcher whoever you know threw to me was like dude throwing to you is like the best experience like you know how to receive the ball right like you're just it feels good you make my like 75 mile per hour fastball feel like i'm throwing 90 right um but dude it wore out my arm right? Yeah. Like it wore out my arm to the point where, and, and once again, I, I don't know if this is genetics or whatever, but like, cause you know, there's some guys out there who you know, they throw the ball every day, hundred times a day, like their arms are fine. But for whatever reason, my shoulder and elbow just, just kept having issues. My father, who was a wrestler, he always told me the reason he stopped playing baseball. It's funny enough in high school, he played like a couple of years. He was like my freaking elbow. I couldn't get over 10 and I was like, I mean, yeah, it was because of our, our position as a catcher, yeah, right? It's, it's like, like I would always be always here. It was just, a, it. Yeah. exactly. Even today when I play catch with my kids, like, yeah, I don't, I don't go down, you know, no. around like a normal yeah, person throws the ball. <laughs> I'm just yeah. like right here, you know, and yeah. it's, it's, but even now, now that I've, you know, I've gained a lot of muscle over the years, my arm slot is like, you know, it's not as flexible or whatever but I can still feel where I had those, those constant nagging little injuries. Mm -hmm. And it got to the point where I partially tore my rotator cuff in college. Cause I was, I was accommodating the elbow tendonitis by putting my shoulder in a, in a spot where I would just use my shoulder to throw it. Right. Instead of using the elbow to lead, I would almost lead with my shoulder. It was mm -hmm. a bad position, but for whatever reason, it worked to just kind of maintain my, my ability to throw, but it started to really hurt and I ignored it and I ignored it and I was lifting weights and doing all the things I thought I was supposed to do. 
And uh, I remember feeling a pop one time when I threw it first uh, and I was like, oh my God. I know and, that exact pop, man. I, I tore my labrum as well. Um, it was just the worst, in, bro. Yeah, in high school for summer ball. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's like immediate. Like you hear it. It's just and, like, wow. And you're like, that's that's not good, man. It's like something's <laughs> broken. <laughs> and here's the thing that really sucks, right? That I think a lot of people, especially baseball players, well, maybe baseball players know, but you know, your shoulder is involved in everything, right? So like- I would then go, okay, well, I can't, I can't catch right now, but you know what? I'll still take BP. I'll still run around. Mm -hmm. No, no, you won't. Because it, every time I'd swing that bat, man, my shoulder was like, ah, like screaming pain. Mm. So I was just, you know, in, in, in re, you know, rehab, I was in, you know, the ice bucket, I was in, you know, um, stretching and that was my, my daily routine. I'm like, this sucks, man. And I just honest to God lost the love of the game. Um, it was cool though. I, I will say I got to finish on a cool note. Uh, I joke around with my boys and I say, well, cause Ryan Zimmerman, where I live is, is a big deal. Ryan was my high school teammate. He played okay. for the nationals and just recently retired a couple of years ago and got his uh, Jersey retired after winning the world series for the Nats in 2020, I think. Anyway, um, I played ball with him for forever. Great guy. Uh, you know, if he ever hears this, which you probably will never hear this, but one of my favorite teammates ever, just the most unselfish baseball player, but also one of the greatest I've ever played with. And um, I played summer league uh, with him before I quit. I played summer league with him and a bunch of other pro guys. And we did like a little home run derby uh one day and and i won <laughs> and i was like all right that that'll be the pinnacle of my baseball career yeah um, after that it was you know i was done after that but uh it was wooden bat too so it was like home run derby with with wooden bats and i was like okay i'm i'm a pretty good hitter even though i'll probably never be like that you know i i, I held my own so it's all good it's great now looking back because you know if if of course hindsight's always 2020 and I think for anybody out there who has maybe not fulfilled the dream that they had as kids or in college or whatever it is, but you've been given blessings. In my case, I've been blessed with two boys, right? Like, even if you have girls, I mean, kids are a blessing no matter what. Um, and I can never imagine not having my kids, right? And if I had gone on to be a pro baseball player, I don't think mm -hmm. I'd my two boys, right? I'd have different kids. I'd have a different life. I'd have whatever. And I'm so thankful that I have the boys that I have. I mean, they're incredible athletes. They're way better than I ever was. I mean, they're, they're, they can do whatever they want if they work hard enough, but they're, they're so fun to coach. They're so fun to work with. And I got told this the other, literally yesterday by a client. And he said, you know, you were born to be a coach. He's like, you were born to do this. I don't know if you know this, but you were born to do this. And I was like, and I really needed to hear that, <laughs> you know, cause it's like you, you, you find, you find yourself daydreaming or thinking about the past, you know, my, my high school reunion, my 20 year uh, was literally a couple months ago. I didn't go. Uh, I was, I was tied up with something else, but it was a reminder that like, man, you know, I, I, I have gone through different phases, different chapters and not all the dreams I had as a kid were fulfilled, but I have even bigger yeah. purposes, right. Even bigger yeah. purposes. Um, you know, and it's, it's cool, but yeah, it's baseball will always be a passion of mine. My youngest son, this, this summer for sure has reignited my passion for baseball. He is obsessed with the Chicago Cubs. He watches every Chicago Cubs game on, on the MLB TV package. Cause we're in Virginia. We can't get WG in games, but um, he watches every 
single Cubs game. And so now I watch every single Cubs game because <laughs> that's our time together. And we, it's crazy how, you know, and looking back, you know, and I, this is just a side note. And once again, we're, we're, we're talking about random stuff, but I told my wife, I wasn't going to push baseball on my kids. Cause I was like, dude, it was my life for 17 years. Right. It was my, it was my daily life. Mm -hmm. Even with other sports, baseball was still something I thought about every day. Um, so I don't want to be the guy who's like, well, my kids, you know, I didn't make it, but my kids are going to make it. And I was like, you know, they want to be badminton players or they want to be chess players. I don't care. Like as long as they work hard, whatever they want to do, I'll support it. So none of them did baseball up until this past summer. My youngest was the first one. My oldest was like, nah, I want to do, you know, football, basketball. I was like, cool. But watching the obsession take over was mind blowing. <laughs> Right. Because he's seen, he's seen the light on baseball. <laughs> yeah. I never, I never, and still to this day, I've never pushed it on him. I've never been like daddy, you know, that's all that he cared about. Never, you know, it was never like a Novak tradition, you know, nothing like that. And it's like, part of me goes, man, like genetics are so crazy, you know, because it's like, he has the same fire I had for it. And I'm like, I want to stoke that fire. You know, I want to, I want to, I want to help him, you know, without, without pressure. I mm -hmm. want to like feel like, man, this is my thing. It's just an interesting thing. You know, it's, it's like, uh, I passed that on to him without even realizing. And now he's, I mean, he is obsessed, man. Like obsessed. Dude, I can't wait, man. I've, I've got, um, so my, my two, so yeah, we're, we're going down kind of a, a rabbit hole here on baseball, but I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to do it, uh, because I love baseball as well. Um, and there's some, some valuable lessons I think we can take away from sports and, and baseball specifically. So like my story, I was a catcher in high school, same, same thing, right. It was my, my junior year. I made the decision. Um, I'm going to stop playing football. Um, I'm going to focus just on baseball. Um, and that was the, probably like as a child, um, that was one of the toughest conversations I've ever had. Like one of the, the toughest decisions. Um, Cause I, I mean, I love football, man um, too, you know, but it's like at that point in time, um, you know, it's like, Hey, you need to be playing fall ball. You need to be playing summer ball, like year round. Right. So yeah. I did the same thing. Um, and I think there's, there is definitely some points to be made, some arguments to be made that like we should expose our kids to, uh, all types of, of, uh, activities when they're young. Yep. Um, and specificity is great, but you know, what, what is the most, like the more important thing, right. For them to like be year round in baseball or like to your point to, to have, you know, some recovery time, uh, to take care of their body. Um, and then also to have these different experiences too. So I think like we have to put that in perspective, like, and I try to do that as much as I love baseball. It's like, Hey, at the end of the day, it, it's literally throwing a ball, right. Is, yeah. is, what it is it's a, it's a game um but uh so i played in high school uh did the whole you know year-round thing went and played college ball um and then uh my senior season i actually got hit by a pitch um about a quarter of the way through the season and a career ender for me um oh my gosh so yeah hit my hit my uh my forearm it like shattered my forearm oh. Um, it was the only game that season that my, my girlfriend at the time hadn't been at. So she'd been at like every single game. Um, and then she wasn't there. The one I get hit by pitch and like snap my arm in half. Oh um, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So that was oh. it for me, man. Um, and then I had to make a big, big pivot. And I, I wanted to bring it to this point too, because you, you mentioned it as well. It's like, we have these experiences in life. We had these things that we, we think we're, we're meant to do and like life happens. Right. Um, and so that was a very hard transition for me of all of a sudden, like, well, shit, like baseball's done. Like any dreams and aspirations I had about playing pro ball, you know, are just like done, like that's it. And so like 
what's the next thing? Because I know I'm meant for more, you know, I know I'm meant to go out and, and have impact. And so for me, that decision was the military, um, you know, going to the military, but then when that ends as well, right. You're like, okay, that was my identity, right? Like, and, and that's a tough transition from the military side to civilian side and finding that path. And so that, and that's where a lot of, of uh, veterans struggle with is kind of finding their purpose, you know? And so I think it, it just speaks to the fact that like, you have to find that, you know, your purpose is more about how you're showing up mm-hmm. and less about what you're actually doing, in my opinion. Absolutely, dude. I, I, uh, it took me a long time to learn that lesson, you know, as I'm sure it did for you too. And a lot of guys that are, are listening, you know, it's you, we tie our, our self-worth to our production, right. And as athletes, you know, our production on the field and our production in the, in the gym or whatever. And then when that ends, it's like, wow, man, like I was this, you know, hot shot athlete. I see it all the time with guys on Facebook who I went to school with and, uh, they peaked in school, right? Because they <laughs> yeah. had to peak, but because they allowed themselves to peak and then they never really got going after that. And I, once again, it's because your identity is so tied to this, this moment in time or this mm-hmm. chapter that you wrote a high for a long time. And this is why I think, you know, going to fitness once again, can be a tool to remind you of the standards that you keep for yourself, right? No matter what you're doing, whether you're an executive, you're a CEO or, if you're, you know, a guy in the military and you're like trying to work your way up the ranks, or if you are an athlete, or if you're a guy who ended a big part of his life and now you're like, what do I do? Right. Well, I think at the end of the day, your self-worth and your identity should always be tied to the things that you can control, which in my opinion, your faith, your fitness, and then your willingness to improve your, your financial situation and to support your family. Right. Um, Cause you could go out and crush it money wise, but still have no self-identity, no self-worth, right? Or have all your self-worth dictated by a paycheck and materialistic things. And then you're like, dang, like if I lost my Lamborghini, like <laughs> I lose it all, right? And it's like, no, you don't, you know, no, you don't. You you are a person of worth no matter what you're doing because you hold a high standard for yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it all starts with your body. I mean, when we really break it down, yes, our body could include our soul, right? The, the, the faith aspect of this, our mental health, but our bodies are a reflection of our habits and routines, you know, and I know that today's world obviously has taken things to an extreme, you know, both on the female and the male side with body image and what's it, what's it, you know, considered in shape and what's not, you know, it's like, if you're not 8% body fat with shredded obliques, like you're fat basically. Right. Yeah. And then on the other side of the spectrum too, the, the body positivity movement of, you know, yeah. 400 pounds and proud of it. It's like, yeah, you should be proud of who you are. Right. But it's not helpful. Uh, <laughs> I would, I would actually say, and this will piss off like, well, maybe it won't, but I don't think you should be proud of any like of that at all. Like, I don't think you should be proud of who you are if you're, fat as hell and obese. Yeah. I don't think that's, I don't think that's actually true. I think you're lying to yourself. If you say, Oh, I'm proud of. Yeah. That, that, that was the wrong language that like, not proud of myself, but did to, to feel, still feel like you have self-worth is what I mean. Like, yeah. Like, oh yeah. yeah. You, you, I think there's never a time kind of going to like what I tell guys in terms of fitness, you know, it's never too late, you know, to actually reach new levels of potential or new levels of success with who you are. Um, your self-worth is always there. It's just up to you whether or not you want to tap into it, you know? And yeah, there are people, I mean, look, there are literal geniuses out there who are overweight and unhealthy 
their brains work tremendously well with an aspect of life, right? A part of life, whether it's music or whether it's art or, you know, speaking or history, whatever, like, but I know there's a part of them that goes, man, I should really be taking care of myself too. You know, I should really, I don't want to be at the doctor telling, you know, getting told that my health is so terrible. I don't want to be on medication. I don't want to be, you know, afraid to take my clothes off or shirt off or whatever, or go to the beach. You know, it's like, there's always a voice talking to you there. And, and yes, today's society has vilified, you know, people who, consider you know fitness as a as a cornerstone and a pillar they think oh who are you to judge me you know it's it's a victim-based mindset you know but i laugh because i'm like well you know we we do this with everything that people value in life right it's like we do this with with you know our, our money we do this with good looks we do this with uh, status you know it's like the same people who are saying oh it's you know so judgmental to uh you know to sell someone they have to be in shape or be healthy those are the same people spending enormous amounts of money on clothes and enormous amounts of money on hotels and concerts and stuff that feeds the machine that once again, puts things on pedestals and judges people who don't have those things. Right. So it's like, if we can just be real and say, Hey, yeah, we do care about how we look and how we show up and how we take care of ourselves and the presentation that we provide to the world. I think we could all just agree that it makes sense to take care of ourselves, right? As best we can. Nobody is saying that you have to be Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know, nobody's saying you have to be shredded to the bone. That's a whole nother discussion, right? It's like, hey, how about we just create bodies that don't put us at risk for mm -hmm. major health issues, right? Or don't put us at risk for being injured by picking up your groceries, right? Or put us in a spot where our kids actually have to work to keep up with us. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I ran with my boys for the first time ever a few weeks ago. We went for a mile run. Right. Now, my oldest is a freak. I mean, that dude ran like a seven minute mile at eight years old. No problem. Right. And I was like, okay, well, you're not normal. <laughs> but my other one, you know, I had to really push. And I was like, see, this is just one mile. Daddy runs, you know, four or six or eight miles sometimes. Like, and he was like, oh my God, like this is really hard. And he's, a, you know, he's an athlete. But I was like, that's how it should be. You know, you mm -hmm. should be leading your kids, not like, man, I can't, I can't keep up with my kids. They sprinted, you know, across the lawn and I was out of breath before I even tied my shoes. Right. Like that, that's not how it should be. And that's, and it's not me saying you suck and you're, you know, a fat slob and like, you should just go cry somewhere. It's like, Hey dude, like you're, this is fixable. You know, this is totally fixable. You have everything you need. You're overqualified to fix this, but let's just start with the fact that you want to fix it and it's okay to want to fix it. It's okay to want to be better. Yeah. Don't have to be like everybody else. You know, no one's, it, it, as much as people will give, you know, you a hard time. Well, why are you eating better? Why are you trying to work out? What are you trying to be, you know, this or that? That's just their inner insecurities coming out. Yep. Just saying the quiet part out loud. That's all that's happening. Mm. Yeah. And I, think, I mean, like two parts of that too, right? Like as far as the fitness aspect from a fatherhood's perspective is like fatherhood is synonymous with leadership, right? Mm -hmm. And so like, you need to be setting the example, right? And, and fitness is one area fitness nutrition is one area you can like directly control that right and so like you should be setting the example for for what you want your kids to follow um and then the second point is you know i, I want to be around for a long time right like outside of me walking out and getting hit by a truck mm -hmm. um which could happen at any point in time right but i can't control that but what i can't control is, is my health 
And, you know, if I want to be the leader, I want to instill those values. I want to be there to support my kids. Like I've got to take care of myself from a health perspective, because otherwise I put myself at risk. And if I die when I'm 55 from a stroke, because I was, you know, eating freaking hamburgers all the time and, and, and pounding down Cokes and milkshakes, like that's my fault. And I'm letting my kids down, you know? And so there's, there's like two perspectives. Yes. From health, I want to be health for a longevity perspective, but then you should be setting the example for your kids. I think there's a third piece too, you know, the quality of your life right now, you know, what's mm -hmm. the return on, I, we, we call it ROE. A friend of mine told me this concept, like your return on, on energy, right? Um, you know, we always talk about ROI, but like your return on energy is massive when you take care of yourself. You know, you have more stamina, you have a competitive edge, you have mm -hmm. more excitement, more vitality. You know, I, I just think back to recent examples for myself. You know, I took my kids to Disney World. Uh, it'll probably be a one and done, by the way. Um, it was <laughs> yeah, dude, worst experience ever. <laughs> <laughs> Disney World is not what all of our crazy uh, liberal friends told us it is, but it's uh, it's cool. You know, it's it's whatever. It's a money pit, but um, there's a water park nearby, right? And we uh, we went to this water park um, called Volcano Bay. I think is what it is. It's not a part of Disney, nonetheless. Me and my boys, like my wife needed a day to kind of just relax in between going to parks. And so I was like, all right, I'll be, you know, I'm a big kid at heart anyway. So let me go to this water park with the boys where I'm selfishly probably going to have the best time ever. And they'll have a great time too. But we were walking that park, swimming around, doing stuff for like 10 hours straight. Right. And my excitement the whole time stayed at a really high level. In fact, it got to the point where I was like, let's do that one again. My boy's like, oh, I'm kind of tired, dad, you know? And it's like, think about the return on your energy there, right? Where because I take care of myself, because I work out, because I take care of my cardio, because I do all these things, I don't really get tired that easily, right? Especially when I'm doing fun activities that are, you know, active things and physical things. I, I enjoy that a lot. And what it does is it gives you that, that quality, of life, not even the quantity, the quantity. Yes. I mean, look, mm. nobody wants to die young, right? Nobody wants to die when they're 54 from a heart attack that could have been prevented. Nobody wants to get diabetes. Nobody wants to have those things. I totally get it. And you can probably prevent most of them by taking care of yourself, but there's always the off chance that genetics rears its ugly head or mm -hmm. fate, whatever. Um, but while you're here, you know, man, isn't it great to be able to wake up full of energy and go out and do what you need to do at a high level, even if that's a vacation day, or even if that's a race, or even if that's just going to work and crushing it, right? I think, and I, I've stopped saying anything in our marketing around trying to extend your lifespan. And I've talked about just extending the quality or improving the quality of mm -hmm. your life, right? Because yeah. I think everybody wins, including you, when the quality of your life is at a high level. Mm -hmm. So how do we... How do we get that? We we uh, we agree on we need to be taking care of our our health, our our fitness and nutrition. I think we overcomplicate it a lot of times, and I know I have in the past. Um, you know, I I am like a lot of high performers. Um, I go to the extreme on a lot of things, right? And so if I'm like, cool, I want to lose weight. I'm like, cool, I'm losing thirty pounds in the next thirty days. I'm going on keto. I'm cutting out all carbs. You know, and then yeah. and then yeah, sure, I might lose some some weight, but then I, I binge eat. I get right back on it. So like, what, what should we be doing and what is sustainable for us to, to achieve this? So uh, I think that the extreme stuff might be something you keep in your, your toolkit for certain times, right? Mm -hmm. But I think that one big step that guys completely miss is really mastering a couple of the basics, right? Okay. Having a baseline that 
hey, when life hits the fan, when things turn upside down and when I'm just like up to here with stress, instead of going, well, it's all or nothing. And mm-hmm. if I can't do this perfect, crazy fat loss routine, then I'm just going to eat nachos and Netflix and whatever, right? <laughs> Which, you know, we're all guilty of at some point. Let's be real, right? We, we have our moments where we're, we're not on top of our game. But having a system that you can fall back on that is very simple and sustainable, right? That you're like, hey, without a shadow of a doubt, I can do these things, I think is key. And I, you know, I'll explain in my opinion what that looks like. So, you know, I, all of our clients that walk through the door, everybody I ever talked to, even if it's just like the guy who came to work on my house yesterday, he asked me like, what's the hardest part of getting motivated? And I say, well, the hardest part of getting motivated is trying to get motivated. You know, <laughs> motivation yeah. is always going to be harder to, to find if you're looking for it. What will actually flip the script is, the way you look at your identity, you know, who you are, the standard you keep for yourself. That's the first thing we got to just go, Hey, what are the standards as a man, as a performer, as a, as a top producer, what are the standards that I want to have do what I say I'm going to do, right? Like these are the standards. So what I'm going to do. Cool. Luckily the standards can be really simple and sustainable. I look at it as three buckets, right? Three main buckets that you got to fill in different ways, obviously based off the individual. But the first one is very simple. I, I call it movement. Movement is just, in other words, cardio, right? Um, or, or walking, whatever you want to call it, moving your body around to, number one, improve your energy level. Mm-hmm. When you're sitting, laying down all day or sitting down all day, I mean, think about it. When we sit in a car or a train or a plane for hours on end, what happens when we get to our destination? Man, we're tired. We're like, oh, man, traveling so rough. And I'm like, you just sat for six hours. Like, you wouldn't think that you'd be tired, but you are because your energy comes down when you don't use mm-hmm. it. So we got to walk. Walking is one of the most underrated forms of exercise, and it's proven to increase your lifespan and longevity. But we got to also burn more calories because if we want to stay lean, if we want to improve our body composition, if we want to lose weight, we need to burn more energy than we eat via food, right? So walking, in my opinion, it's the easiest form of exercise. Everybody can, for the most part, do it. Um, and we have a movement standard that we stick to on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. Right. And that's different for everybody. For some people, it's like, Hey, I I need to walk 10,000 steps every day for some guys. It's like, Hey, I'm going to, you know, walk three miles every day, whatever it is. Right. We find that we stick to it. We have a standard that's bucket. Number one. Yeah. Number two is muscle. Okay. So the muscle bucket is training your body. And this is where people go. I don't want to get too big. I don't want to get too jacked. You know, I don't want too much muscle. And I say, you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> you know, yeah. If you had to worry about that, you would already know, right? You'd already yeah. be a freak who looked at weights and grew biceps, right? Like, so you're not Arnold, like I said earlier, you don't have that kind of genetics. And if you do, you should be thankful because you won't have to lift that much. You'll gain muscle really quickly and you'll be like, oh, cool. I don't have to do much. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. So lifting weights, honestly, I'll look at it for a few different, uh, few from a few different perspectives. Number one, obviously, I want to look good, right? I want to look athletic. I want to look good in a shirt. I want to look good without my shirt on. That's just me. And I know a lot of guys feel the same way. Number two, it's a stress reliever. You know, for lack of better, for part of my French, I don't want to be an a-hole to my, my kids. Oh, you can cuss sure. all day long on this yeah. one, man. I, I, don't want to, I don't want to be a dick, right? Mm. So lifting weights, and I'm sure a lot of guys can relate, has an effect where I go into the gym a little stressed, a little pissed off, a little bit like grumpy, and I leave the gym on cloud nine. Yeah, right. fork. Yeah, fork. Even if it was a thirty-minute workout, twenty-minute workout, I'm like, man, I'm so glad I did that. Now Ooh. I can go about my day and be a, a good person, right? Yeah. And then, of course, there's the health benefits. You know, I don't want to get injured as I get older. 
I don't want my body to break down rapidly as I get older. And I want to be strong from a joints perspective, a ligaments perspective, like all the things that get strengthened through training. I think everybody on earth in some capacity should lift weights. Some guys will lift weights more often than others. Some people will lift weights less frequently. It doesn't matter. You should have it as part of your routine. The third bucket, which I would say for most guys is, and most people in general is the hardest is what I call meals. Um, what we eat, you know, how we control our nutrition. I think after, man, my own struggles for years and years with nutrition, um, I think we overcomplicate it. I think that from a, from a bare basics perspective, we don't understand how nutrition actually works what we need to worry about, what we don't need to worry about, what we can get away with, what we can't get away with. I always start our clients off on understanding two main principles. Number one, you got to control how much you eat. Mm -hmm. And then number two, we got to eat mostly quality, high protein foods as the cornerstone of our, of our nutrition plan. The rest will kind of take care of itself if we get those two things dialed in. Over time, you can get more detailed. Over time, once you understand the basics, you can say, okay, I am going to go pretty hard for the next eight weeks. I'm going to push my calories down. I'm going to eat you know, strict. I'm going to go the full-blown bodybuilder life or whatever you want to do. Knowing that the reason why you're getting results is because of a few main factors, right? Knowing mm -hmm. you can always go back to a more sustainable approach because you know what you're doing versus the guys who go, I'm going keto, right? And you're like, okay no more carbs then, huh? And they're like, nope, no more carbs. And then they go six weeks on keto. They lose a ton of weight. They eat carbs for two weeks and they gain all the weight back. And they're like, what? Like, yeah. That doesn't make any sense. I'm like, no, it does make sense. Cause you lost a ton of water weight. You probably only lost about six, eight pounds of fat. And then you went and you overate by mm -hmm. thousands of calories for a few weeks. You gain all the fat back and the water weight. Right. So mm -hmm. I think it's really a, an education and information um, issue. There's too much information not enough education and application, right? So information doesn't do you any good when there's 20 people telling you to eat 20 different diets. Um, I wrote a book, you can kind of see it behind me if you're watching this, but it's called Diets Suck. Um, and it's just because all the diets out there work, but they never tell you why they work. They just tell mm -hmm. you like, don't do this, this, and this, and then you're going to get ripped or do this one thing. And this is it. It's like, dude, you could create your own approach to eating and get phenomenal results. Personally, I don't prescribe to one meal strategy. I move things around based off the time of year. Like right now, I'm a few months out from my birthday and I'm, I'm pretty strict. You know, I'm, I'm trying to look crazy good for a birthday uh, trip that I'm going on, right? That's just what I'm doing. Now, if something happens in my life and it's like, oh, dude, I got to chill out. I can't go this hard. I can always fall back on the basics. You know, I can always fall back on eating healthy meals that are pretty calorie controlled and having a couple whatever meals every week and, you know, being totally fine. Um, but once again, we, we, from a meal perspective, we deal with a lot of external struggles too, right? So stress eating, and then obviously the, the abundance of food that's there. Mm -hmm. It was funny. We were talking about it yesterday. There's, you know, years ago, gas stations were gas stations. Now they're restaurants. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. You know, it's Dude, like, yeah. Uh, th that, that, yeah. Gas stations are tough, man. There, there's one. Um, so I'm, I'm on, uh, I wouldn't say strict, but I'm, I'm, I'm being more watchful. Um, I would say I'm in, in that phase. Right. Yeah. But there's, um, at the gas station, there's this stupid fucking, um, little like apple Danish thing that <laughs> is just like, dude, it's, it's like crack for me, man. Um, yeah, I have to like, you know, I'm just like this in the gas station. Like don't even look at it, bro. <laughs> it's not there. It. It yeah. Um, but no, man, I, I agree. And I would just like, 
I agree. I think we overcomplicate it um, a ton. And kind of my, my approach is like, just eat real food, man. You know, like stay on the outside of the grocery store and you're probably going to be okay. Right. Just, Absolutely. you know, don't eat fucking Cheetos. Like you know, don't <laughs> eat Mountain Dew, you know, don't eat Mountain Dew. And like, and actually understand what the food is and what's in it. Yeah. Right. And yeah. understanding your numbers. So like you, you are, you, obviously you have a book about it. You, you know, much more well-versed than I am in, in this. Um, but you know, what we do with guys that come into kind of our community is like, Hey man, all we're going to do uh, is like for the first week, like, I just want you to track what you eat. Right. Yeah. Uh, just like understand what's going in your body because it's probably going to be, be pretty surprising to you, you know, that yeah. like, Holy shit, man, this, this coffee creamer that I load up on three times a day, you know, is like 270 calories in my diet, you know? And, and you're like, you would have never yeah. thought that you're saying, it's just a creamer or whatever. So like, that's going to expose you to just like, you know, starting to understand like like what is your food composed of right um you know is it is it mostly fats is it mostly carbs is it mostly protein um and so you know we, we just do some education right and then once their eyes are open um then we can kind of dial them in a little bit right but i think that that just the understanding piece is is a huge component i couldn't agree more i it's uh it's always an eye-opening experience and i'll never forget when i first tracked everything i ate many many years ago i was like oh my goodness you know like it's so easy to go crazy and overeat right mm -hmm. especially when and i have a relatively average metabolism you know it's not too fast it's not too slow but you know an average metabolism um you know in today's world i mean you can overeat easily if you're not careful right and you think oh even like healthy foods in some cases are great like nuts or whatever like i used to snack on raw you know, almonds all day long and then by the time my day was done i had like 100 almonds and i'm like oh my god it's like 800 calories a thousand calories you know like it's not nothing even though it feels like nothing you know yeah mm -hmm. um and and then you go out to eat and you're like oh my gosh a burger and fries at a restaurant's like you know 1500 calories because it's like maybe even more in some cases you know so it's it's eye-opening but then you know you, you settle into what i consider to be like the next level where yes, you've tracked, you know how much you're eating, blah, blah, blah. But then you start to really go, oh, this type of food makes me feel a certain way. Mm -hmm. So like I could lose fat and eat Cheetos and drink Mountain Dew for sure. If I control my calories, mm -hmm. but nobody wants to do that because you're going to feel like death, you know, like mm -hmm. Cheetos is going to be like putting, you know, poison in your body. You're going to be like, oh, I feel like crap after that. Right. Um, so then you're, you're, you're like, well, not only am I eating the right amount of food for my goals, but I'm actually giving my body something that makes me feel good. Mm -hmm. You know, I crave like steak, you know, and I crave like, um, like healthier food, you know, fruits and stuff and, you know, eggs. And I, I crave the healthy stuff now because I know when I eat it, I'm going to feel like rock solid, you know, I'm going to feel really good, uh, but that takes time, you know, cause you got to get through the, you know, for lack of better terms, the addictions that we all have to, you know, certain foods, you know, like you mm -hmm. mentioned apple, apple fritter or whatever, like, <laughs> you know, I still, you know, I see foods like that too. Like I, like a Kit Kat, you know, I'm like, man, if I have a Kit Kat, I'm going to eat, you know, three of them. You know, if I, if I have Nutella, it's like, well, the whole jar is going to, going to get punished. Right. Cause <laughs> it's just so addictive, you know, and it hits, it hits triggers and dopamine in your brain. And like, the, the response from the appetite and just how you feel is euphoric temporarily. And mm -hmm. then afterwards you're like, Oh my God, why did I eat that? Right. Um, Cause it doesn't actually digest well and it doesn't feel good in your body. It's like, it feels like awful and you can't wait for you to reset, mm -hmm. but you have to go through the process of understanding and experiencing that through application 
Um, and you know, once again, though, you nailed it. You, you, as a, as a society, you know, we have either a very a high level of disinterest in nutrition where it's like, yeah, whatever, you know, I'm just gonna eat whatever, or this overcomplication of nutrition, right. Where it's like, well, I got to eat paleo or I got to eat keto, or I got to stick to like eating every hour and a half. Cause my metabolism will slow down. It's like, nah, dude, that's once you sift through all the nonsense, you realize nutrition is actually super simple, right? It's super, super simple. Find healthy meals. You enjoy eat the right amount of quantity and you'll be off to the races, you know, yeah. see tons of results. Yeah. And I think where the, the craving and addiction stuff, um, where I've found to, to add to this benefit, right. Because like I said, those apple fritters are like, dude, they're incredible, man. Um, yes, you know, it's, uh, but it, it's really, it goes back to identity, right. What we talked about before. Um, if you have that identity of, I am the type of person that's going to do what I say I'm going to do. Right. And you are that person and you want to make nutrition a core foundation for you, then all of a sudden your why is much bigger than just like, oh, I want to lose 20 pounds to look shredded or whatever, right? It's like, it goes back to the core identity of who you are, um, of that I, I said that I want to make this priority and that's the type of person that I am, you know? And so it's going to be much easier to resist those temptations or to make changes, right? Um, you know, in your diet to, to move away from those temptations. So like, I have a sweet tooth, man, I do. Like I could sit and eat little Debbie's, you know, to 12 pack in like 10 minutes and um, just crush it. <laughs> but, um, you know, so like I, I'm going to have to have something sweet, you know, at some point sure. in time, right? Or else I'm going to go crazy. So I, I, I've done replacements, right? Of, of what can I replace that with? And so instead of a freaking apple fritter or a little Debbie, I'll, I'll go and we have these little like 60% cocoa, you know, just little like chocolates, right? And I'm like, cool. Yeah. After dinner, I need something. I'm going to grab like two of those. And that's my, my dessert, you know? And so it's like, can yeah. you still you know, um, you know, just, uh, come towards your, uh, natural incl inclinations from a diet perspective, just from a healthier approach. Yeah. And I, there's, there's a few different ways to skin a cat with that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, for me, I go back and forth. Sometimes I like having that daily little treat, right. I, I have these little protein bars that, um, they're not the most unhealthy thing, but yeah, they're protein bars at the end of the day, they're processed or whatever. They're not real food, you know, um, but they taste really good and I can control it because it's, you know, one or two of them is only, you know, like 400 calories. So that would be like my treat. Right. Or I sometimes go through phases where I'm like, I'm so dialed in that maybe once every 10 days I'll go out and I'll have like a milkshake or something. Right. Yeah. And I don't even worry about the calories. I'm just like, dude, I'm just going to crush the shake and feel like death for a few hours after, and then get back on track the next day. Right. <laughs> um, because it's funny, like even, man, I came off of just being on vacation for a week and then got back and uh, didn't eat perfect for a couple of days, kind of eased back into a normal routine. And But you look in the mirror and you're like, man, it's crazy how the body will um, stay at a good place once you've given it enough time. It's like, try to give guys hope that once you've put in the time and you have the basics and the routine dialed in, you know, even just 75 to 80% of the time, right? Like, your body's never going to get too far off course. Mm -hmm. you know, I just think a lot of guys think that they're there. You know, they think, oh yeah, I'm, I'm good 80% of the time. Like, nah, dude, it's like, you're like good 30% of the time. Like you think you're 80%, but you're really not. Like you're, you're drinking five nights a week or three nights a week. You're having dessert two nights a week. You're, you know, going out to lunches twice a week. You're having date night once a week. You know, you're snacking on your kids stuff a couple of times a week. And then when you really break it down, it's like, you're only doing things at like 40, 50% max of, mm -hmm. you know, of a hundred percent. And when you change and flip the script to like being dialed in third, you know, 30% more 75%, 8% of the time, 
all of a sudden your body is like something you can really control pretty easily. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, it just, it just takes time. You know, you got to put in the work. And I think, um, the, the, the message I always tell guys now is, you know, whatever, whatever it is you want, right. Whatever it is you say you're going to do, like do the work, do what is required to get that. Otherwise, what you need to do is change your expectations, right? Change the results in your mind that you're shooting for, because what will end up happening is if you have these high standards that you say you want, but your actions don't align with them, that is where hell is, mm-hmm. right? Where you say, I want this, your actions are down here though. So you're getting this result, but you, you keep saying, I'm going to get this, I'm going to get this. That space, that gap is where resentment is where personal um, hatred is where self-belief goes to die. And ultimately you live in this state where you're pissed off and you blame others and this and that. And I, all I tell guys is like, look, just change your habits and routines to get to that level, start doing the work or just say, Hey, I'm okay with mm-hmm. not having the six pack. I'm okay with not losing the 30 pounds. I'll just be okay with losing five or six pounds. Cause that's what my, my habits and routines have given me right now. You know, um, I think at the end of the day, though, the beauty of like what we do and, and what you do and, and, you know, what, what fitness really can be is it can be a part of your life in a permanent way that you actually enjoy. You know, it can be something in your day that is like, man, it's my time. You know, it's my time to like get my mind right. It's my time mm-hmm. to clear my head. It's, it's, uh, you know, I sit down to eat, like I feel good after I eat. And, you know, while I'm eating, I, I this is like, I, I'm empowering myself, you know, like, I feel like I'm, I'm just a guy who has standards and I like that feeling, you know? Um, and then the results come, you know, the physical results come after you've got the mental side completely dialed in the physical comes even easier. And you're like, man, what was so hard? I never, never realized it could be this easy, but you have to mentally lock in. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that I think everyone's capable of doing. It just comes down to a decision. It comes down to a true desire for a result. When you have a true desire for things, you tend to do things at a high level. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, I, I don't think fitness is optional. I don't think taking care of your health and body should be optional. I think it's something that we only get one of. So we should, we should treat it with care um, versus our house, our cars, our clothes, and all the other trinkets and gadgets and stuff that we acquire. A lot of it, for the most part, is replaceable or at least repairable. But man, you know, your body doesn't really fall into that category. So I think we should treat it with care. Yeah. Well, dude, man, where where can guys go find uh, more about you, Josiah? Oh, well, the easiest place to connect with me um, is social media um, or my website. So you can go to uh, pretty much any platform and just type in Josiah Fitness. And uh, I'm typically that guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> some people have tried to steal it, but it's all good. Um I'm pretty active on platforms like Instagram and Facebook. So if you go to Instagram uh, and type in at Josiah Fitness and you shoot me a message, it's pretty easy to access me there. Or you can go to my website, thetruetransformation.com. And if you go there, um, right at the front of the page, there's a free guide. We call it our 3M action plan. And it just gives you the blueprint, kind of like literally what I just went over, but in a little Mm -hmm. bit more detail um, about how you can start making some changes today. But those would be the best areas, brother. Yeah. Well, awesome, dude. Well, dude, awesome conversation, man. I love where it went. I mean, 
you know, we, we went to the rabbit hole in baseball a little bit, but I'm, I'm happy to do that. That's, that's, yeah. we, we, we can do it a whole other episode. Just talk about like catching stuff, you know? Oh man. Anytime. <laughs> Anytime. I'm, I'm a total nerd when it comes to baseball. So I'm, I'm all about it, brother. Yeah. Last part of that. I, um, so I have agreed to, uh, help coach our high school team, um, nice. this year. So, I, so we, we moved, we kind of like when I joined the military, um, well, really when I went to college, I, I like left my hometown. And it was like, bye-bye, you know, never coming back. Um, and so I haven't kept in touch with anybody. Um, and then we, <laughs> about a year and a half ago, we moved back to my hometown. Um, nice. And so it's like, you know, getting to see all the, the faces and stuff. And and they're like, oh, Drew's back. Okay. Like, do so you want to you coach, you know? And right. uh, so they've right. been pressuring me to be a community coach. And finally I caved and I was like, okay. I was like, I'm not gonna be able to like be at, at every practice, but like, I'll be there right. when I can. And they're like, cool, you're the, you're the catching coach. And I'm like, cool. Nice. I, I haven't thrown a baseball in like six years. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm having to like get the fungo bat out and practice a little bit and start to play catch and stuff and, and yeah. uh, work on my pop time, you know? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's awesome. I, uh, I got a chance to coach um, our, my son this past summer in baseball. He was coach pitch. So it's funny. Cause I was, I was pitching to all the kids, you know, every game. And I was like, man, this is really tough, like throwing in the strike zone for these little, you know, three foot, four foot tall kids. Um, but uh, it was great. It was great. I think uh, it's always interesting to see at that age, the kids who love it and the kids who are just there because their parents, you know, forced <laughs> them to be there. Um, but you can see the love of the game and a few of the kids and you're like, man, that kid's going to be, you know, it's going to be good. You know, if he keeps it up, it's, it's just a cool experience to see him at that age, start starting their journey with, with sports or baseball in this case. Mm. But yeah, I plan on trying to be involved in coaching as my kids uh, progress and continue to play. Um, but, you know, at some point I'll probably go, all right, you know, dad's dad's going to just uh, be there to support and be there to fill in the gaps. But, you know, there'll be great coaches, hopefully, that will we'll, uh, we'll guide them. But high school would be absolutely insane. Those are the best kids to coach because they they all at that level love the game, right? And yeah. They're there trying to win, trying to be great. and. They all want to be there. And that's, uh, that's just a fun experience. Yeah. It'll be fun. I mean, for me, it's more about like, it's less about baseball and, and it's more about baseball as just a vehicle, right. For, sure. for leadership, for development. Um, you know, so that's what I'm hoping to, to bring to the table and, and, you know, obviously coach them up a little bit on baseball, but, but that's where I'll get the most fulfillment out of for sure is, is seeing somebody that, that maybe I can help them kind of flip the switch. Right. And, and oh, yeah. realize their potential realize, you know, with, with dedicated hard work, what they can accomplish and, hopefully be that role model for them that maybe they don't have at home, you know? Um, so yeah, yeah, dude, it's, it, I'm looking forward to it, man. It's been a ton of fun, but uh, we'll, 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 uh, we'll set up another podcast, man. We'll just talk all day yeah. you know, for like three hours. <laughs> so I, right, so, yeah, well, well, guys, I'm, I'm going to have all the links um, in the description for the episode. So including your book as well, Josiah, um, which I'm, I'm going to pick up a copy uh, as well. Cause I agree. Diet suck. Um, but, uh, and, and so guys hit the links, go check out Josiah. Um, dude, thank you for coming on. Thank you for dropping some value. Hopefully you guys were able to get some nuggets from it. So appreciate it, man. Appreciate you having me, man. It's been fun. Awesome guys. Well, Hey, what's it? We'll wrap and we'll see you on the next episode.